Good morning, church. Uh, let's pray to thank you. Let's pray together. So, Father, we pause and ask you to collect all of our scattered senses and bring us into the presence of you, O oh God. Father, we rejoice here together. We rejoice in who you are. Take just a moment and say back to God who he is and what you love about him. Let's rejoice in what he's done for us. What are you grateful for? And Father, we rejoice at the fact that we can be with you and you with us and that you rejoice to be with us. We're arrested by that thought, oh God. And now, Father, we ask, we have so much on our hearts, so many things happening in our home and in our city and in our world, and we offer it to you now. What do you want to ask your Father in heaven? Ask him now. Oh God, we pray for the many needs that surround us. By name, collectively, we pray for the Ford family as they've lost their dear, sweet daughter, Isabel. We pray for her, her friend who is in critical condition. We pray for our leaders, Lord. We pray for those who are suffering in Haiti, Afghanistan, the turmoil, the suffering, the loss, the persecution. We lift all of these situations all around the world before you, God. We pray for our enemies and those who persecute us, those who disagree us, with us. 
And we yield, oh God. We yield to your way, to your deep heart, to your purposes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in me and in us this day, in all of us together, Westside family, online, Speedway, here at Lenexa, we collectively say together, amen, amen. How many of you just needed that quick pause moment of silence? Yeah, isn't it just amazing what four little quick deep breaths will do for you? And just a quick pause and a rejoicing in the Lord and asking and yielding. You know, Jesus was with his, uh, he was with his three best friends. And he, was, he had this like mountaintop experience. Another story for another time. But he's coming down that mountain. And as they're doing the switch back, back and forth, coming back into the valley, they begin to hear this kind of ruckus. And they turn a corner and they see this really large crowd that's gathered. And it seems like everyone's shouting at one another. And so Jesus and James and John and Peter, they, they kind of roll in and they weave in between all the folks in the crowd. They get to the center and guess who's there? The other nine disciples, they're on one side and then the religious elite are on the other side and they're all decked out in their Pharisee bling. They've got tassels and robes and really cool head coverings and the whole thing and they're shouting at each other and Jesus kind of like intervenes, like what's going on? And that's when a man kind of steps out of the crowd into the center and he's like, Rabbi, it's me, man. This one's on me. It's, it's actually about my son. My, my son has been oppressed by this evil spirit and it's just, it's just horrible. Jesus, like, he gnashes at the teeth. He foams at the mouth. If he's near fire, the spirit tries to throw him in the fire. If he's near a water well, it tries to drown him in, in the water. And I've sought everyone and everything. I even brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. And Jesus, like, he seems kind of exasperated, There's like this, <sighs> like, how much longer? I want to be back up on the mountain. How many of you have ever had that mountaintop experience, and now you're down in the valley with reality? You know, like, that's Jesus, that's, that's his feels going on in this moment. And he says, bring the boy to me. And at, at Jesus' word, the, the boy is brought forth, but the spirit begins to shriek and violently resist being brought to Jesus. And so now it's all on display, the foaming, the gnashing, the uncontrollable shrieks and everything going on. And Jesus, with just this beautiful bedside manner, says to the father, how long has this been happening? And the father says, since he was a little boy. And I've done everything. And, and Jesus, if you can, can you please heal my son? You just hear the despair, the longing at the end of his rope. And Jesus says, well, what do you mean if I can? Like, of course I can. Anything is possible to him who believes. Jesus like tees up the answer. He puts it on a platter like, okay, here's what you say in this moment. You say, I believe unequivocally without a single shred of doubt. That's what you say in this moment. Why? Because you want your son healed. That's not what the man said. He didn't choose the right answer. He chose the honest one. And he said, I do believe Help my unbelief. That's prayer. Right there, that is prayer. That beautiful, ritty, gritty, raw moment of confession of, I'm kind of there, I'm not totally there. Here it is, here I am. And how does Jesus respond? It's awesome. He didn't say, oh, stinks to be you, buddy. Wrong answer, trap door, right? He actually honored the man's honesty 
and he rebuked the spirit. And it was a scene to, be, to behold. I mean, people walked away having the sights and the sounds of that moment with that uh, spirit being exercised out. They'll never forget what they heard and what they saw that day. And that boy lay crumpled on the ground. They thought he was dead. Jesus bent down, picked him up by the hand, returned him to his father, and presumably that boy went home to his mom, to his siblings, to his little village community, and he could sit by a campfire without just sending fear through the heart of his parents. He could walk by a water well without his parents hovering or trying to protect him, sane, safe. That's what Jesus did in this beautiful moment, and it was just wondrous to all the folks that love that boy. It was maddening to the religious elite, and it was confusing to his nine disciples. In fact, I want you to look with me here, Mark chapter nine. So grab your West, West Side app or your old school Bible. We're gonna look here. Mark chapter nine. And there's this moment where the disciples, they wanna, they wanna break this down. It says, verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Fair question, right? Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, if I'm in that moment, if I'm a disciple in that moment, I think I have two reactions. One is, though, like, we forgot to pray, didn't we? I mean, think about that. This, this father brings a son. Jesus is nowhere to be found. It's just up to them. Here's what's going on. Can you help? And they're like, yeah, we can help. We saw Jesus do it this way. And they run through the formula or they just lean in and they start going after it. But somehow they didn't pray. They are waging in a supernatural moment with only natural abilities. Never, ever works. And you and I, we do it actually all the time, don't we? Like we, we talked about last week. We don't move without prayer except for when we move without prayer. And we have all sorts of prayer killers going on, right? Our distractions, our busyness, our pride, uh, our own overinflated sense of co uh, competence, and all these things, I think the disciples were caught up in two. And somehow in the midst of that moment, they did not pray. In fact, you see this little kind of, this little line where the Father says to Jesus, I asked your disciples, this is verse 18, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. He didn't say, and they prayed and God didn't move. He doesn't blame God. It was like the focus and all the attention was on the disciples. And somehow, in the midst of this moment, they didn't pray, and we do that all the time, don't we? Those moments like, oh yeah, that would have been a good idea to pray during that, that, that situation. Why didn't I think of that? It happens all the time. I think the second kind of reaction of the disciples and they're like, Jesus, how come we couldn't do this? And he goes, well, this kind only comes out by prayer. And they go, okay, yeah, but wait, wait a minute. Jesus, when did you pray? Right, because if you go through and you read the whole account, nowhere does it say that Jesus said, okay, y'all, hey, hold on, this is a big moment. Let's huddle up, right? Okay, everybody, uh, let's, let's go through the P-R-A-Y. We're gonna pause here, right? We're gonna, let's all get on our knees. There was no moment where Jesus literally prayed as you and I might think about praying. And yet he says, the only reason breakthrough happened in this boy's life was because prayer was happening. 
So where did Jesus pray? Well, I think what Jesus was doing was what the Apostle Paul tells you and I to do, to pray in the Spirit. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. The Apostle Paul writes, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I think that's what Jesus was doing in this moment. He was in this moment of an occasion, he was praying all kinds of prayer, and he was walking, as Paul would say in a different place, in lockstep with the Spirit of God. Now, Jesus is God. He's also fully man, fully God, fully man, but he's living this life of dependency and reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, he's coming down the mountain, as I imagine it, having a conversation with the very Spirit of God. And why do we do that? Well, bounce, bounce with me to Romans 8. Because Paul explains what the Spirit of God does. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit intercedes. That word intercede means pleads, begs, appeals. And so what's happening here is that there is a deep heart of our Father in heaven. There is all that's going on in the occasions of your life and world and all that's stirring in your soul, and the Spirit of God is transmitting between the two, the will and the heart of God, giving you insight, giving you direction and guidance. The, the Spirit of God is translating between your spirit and the Father's heart. Cool, huh? So what's Jesus doing in this moment? I think he's walking in step with the Spirit. And the Spirit is giving him uh, guidance as he goes along. What's he really doing? In the words of Paul, one of the shortest little verses in all the Bible, he is praying continually, as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. He's praying continually. Now, that totally opens up for me the life of Jesus and what it must have been like for him kind of behind the scenes, what was going on in his spirit. He's rolling into a town called Jericho. And I just wonder if he's saying to the Father or to the Spirit, like, Spirit, where do you want my eyes to fall as I come into this town? Spirit, is there somebody I'm to encounter? Father, where can I get a good meal? And he looks up and he sees this big, rich, fat cat, Zacchaeus, right? And it leads to Zacchaeus not only serving him a meal, but giving up half of his possessions to the poor. And I would just imagine the disciples going, how'd you do that? And Jesus is like, well, only that, that happens with prayer, right? Jesus, it says in John chapter 4 and his disciples that they had to go into Samaria. Why? Well, you don't ever go into Samaria. You go around Samaria. But for some reason, as John records in his gospel, we had to go. And I just wonder if it's Jesus like, hey, there's something here, guys. I think we need to keep going straight versus around. I think we need to come up to this well, Jacob's old well. I think maybe, I know you're hungry. You go fetch some food. I'm just going to sit here for a while. I'm not quite sure why, but I think I'm supposed to be here. And up walks this woman in the hottest part of the day. A Samaritan woman, an outcast woman, who just in a little bit becomes the heroine of the whole town. The next thing you know, the disciples who are like, wait a minute, we shouldn't even be here. These people, I don't even like these people. They're having a Samaritan slumber party. And they're like, Jesus, how did this happen? How did this happen? And I could just imagine them going, oh, that, that only happens by prayer. 
A woman is caught in adultery. We don't know what happened to the guy because he was as complicit as, as, as the woman was, but she is thrown before him, and it's a big test, John chapter 8. What should we do, Jesus? What would you do in this moment? He starts literally, bends down, starts writing in the dirt, and everyone wants to know, what, was it, what were the Jesus doodles? Like, what was he doing in this moment? I wonder if that's his prayer journal, like you were given one on the way in. I don't, you know, yours is purple, his was dirt, but... Beautiful moment. How did that happen, Jesus? How did everyone drop their stones and, and walk? Oh, that, that just happens by prayer. Jesus and his disciples are in a boat, and they're, they're going across the Sea of Galilee to an unlike, just the, this uncharted place. You don't go to this town, to this region called Gennesaret. You just don't go there. There's Gentiles there. It's really, really scary. And, and as they're going, there's this huge squall. There's this huge storm. And is scaring these seasoned, callous fishermen. They think they're going to die. Jesus is asleep. He calms the storm. They arrive on the shore. And as they step out of the boat, this madman, raving mad, naked, very awkward. They, he comes running to them. He rushes upon them. And, and I want you to look with me. Mark chapter 5. I just want you to see what, what happens here. Mark chapter 5. Right when they get out of the boat. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, this is the raving madman, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. See, I think Jesus is picking a fight here. And when did he start picking the fight? I think from the minute they stepped in the boat. And I think there's a reason there was a big storm. I think because spiritual things were, were, were happening in this moment. You, you're like, but Jesus was asleep. Yeah, you can pray while you're asleep. In fact, look at, and if you're looking at your Bible, I'm so sorry, I left this out. I should not have done this. Verse eight, for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Nowhere in this moment, in this passage, do we see that Jesus had said that. So, so uh, Mark is saying, somewhere along the line, Jesus is saying, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of this man. I think, I'm just suggesting, it's not clearly there in the scriptures, but I think that Jesus is at the stern or the bow, wherever he is on the boat, and whether he's sleeping or he's awake, he's saying in his spirit, with Father and the Holy Spirit, he's going, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And this man comes rushing out. What do you want to do with me, Jesus? This man accosted by a legion of demons. And the next thing you know, he's fully clothed of sane mind. And he becomes the first Gentile missionary ever. And the disciples, I wonder if they say, hey, can we break that one down? How did that one happen? Oh, that one? That only happens by prayer. You see, Jesus did not move without prayer even while on the move. Isn't that cool? Jesus did not move without prayer, even while on the move. Now, you might be going, wait a minute. Jesus teaches in different places. We talked about this last week. Jesus taught that when you pray, you go where? Into your room. And you shut the door, right? And in that secret place. And we, we kind of go, well, isn't that how we're supposed to pray? That was not the point. Jesus was taking on kind of uh, being a spiritual spectacle. That's what he was taking on. 
And somehow we've taken that, you go into some closet, like, like this. This is a Norman Rockwell painting, which I think ruined us for generations about prayer. Check this out. This is Huck Finn with Miss Watson in a prayer closet. Would you like to pray like Huck Finn? I mean, think of that. Like, that, that really kind of freaks out my intimate space zone boundaries. Would it not for you? <laughs> that right there, uh, I'm just imagining... Uh, Miss Watson's breath barreling down on me like that can't that cannot be good right there right and and even the cat the cat looks really really creepy nothing about that and then Jesus says to do what shut the door like no thank you not praying now it's okay to pray on your knees it's okay to have your prayer place and closet of course but the prayer killer I want to talk about here today is compartmentalization. We think there are only certain places that we pray, prayer chair, a prayer, a house of prayer, right? We think there are only certain times that we pray. The beautiful tradition is to pray the hours it's called, which is in the morning and then noontime and then in the evenings. Beautiful, it's beautiful, but it's not the only time we have to pray. And there's only a certain way to pray. pray. I was with my daughter earlier this week. We were praying about her going to school. I said, honey, you want to pray? She goes, sure. I said, well, hey, do you want to do this, this little prayer form that, w- that we learned, P-R-A-Y? Do you want to do that? And she looks at me and she goes, Dad, I don't want to pray with rules. <laughs> kind of like, well, I'm, I'm kind of teaching it to lots of people. I just, you know. <laughs> and maybe that's how it feels for you. You're like, all right, it's a cute little thing. By the way, I think it's super helpful. But at the end of the day, We don't move without prayer, even while we're on the move. I've got good news for you. You and I, we can pray anywhere, everywhere. As Paul says, in the spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers. It's a little bit like Dr. Seuss. You know, you can pray in a boat. You can pray with a goat. You know, you can pray with a fox. You can pray, you know, help me out. You know, it goes on and on. Thank you, right? Or you can pray mo. You can uh, pray drive, you can pray work, you can pray clean, you can pray weed, the good kind, you can pray water, you can pray walk, you can pray run, you can pray hike, pray bike, pray wiffle, pray coffee, pray meat, pray pump. How about that? I mean, let's just pause for a moment on that one, pray pump. What do we do? That, that, that's what we do, right? That's what I do. Like, maybe, here, and this is going to be a little bit of our assignment here in just a moment. Maybe that's the one place I go, I pray at every gas station when I'm pumping gas. I have five minutes. I'm going to pray. And I'm just, I am not going to use my phone. I don't know. I mean, what's that for you? But could you just, like, commandeer a space like that? like at a gas station or whatever it is. And by the way, you can actually pray text too. You can pray text. Here's what's cool. There's been a team of folks working on a text prayer wall where if you just like take a screenshot of that number there, send your either, hey, prayer request or here's where God has broken through, a praise. There are a team of people that would love to pray with you and for you that you'll even get a response saying, hey, we prayed for you. And this is our way to be all connected online, speedway, whatever campus or sanctuary or living room that you're in. This is a way for us virtually, but very much in reality, 
praying for one another. How cool is that? You can even use your phone and pray. So here's what I want us to do. I want us, if you are so inclined, hopefully somewhat inspired, that it doesn't have to be on your knees with Ms. Watson, that this can be anywhere, things that are mundane, things that are exciting to you, things that you do in your everyday life that you can actually do like what Jesus did. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. You can pray continually, and the Spirit of God will transmit between the heart of the Father and your deep heart. Who's in, to, who's in for that? Who's in for that? Anybody oh, like, you can do that, right? Great. It was a very kind and um, respectful applause. I'm not quite convinced. Here's what I'd like to do. Would you stand up for me? All right. Uh, as you might have noticed from last week, we wanted to do a little bit more workshopping than just straight on preaching. So I want you to turn with somebody that you came with and those around you. Don't leave anyone out online in your living room, wherever you are. You can put this in the chat box, Speedway, similar. I'm going to have you turn to one another. And what idea, either is something you already do, right, or, or something just got sparked where this week for five minutes... You're going to pray on the move, all right? We're going to give you two minutes to talk, so it has to be kind of fast and snappy. Turn to one another, and please don't leave anyone out. Ready? Go. All right, all right, good work. Hey, uh, online community, just post in the chat box, what were some of your ideas? I'd love for us, us here in this sanctuary, just shout out a couple of things that you're gonna do or that you heard someone else do, rat them out, go ahead. Driving, Driving. good, be a safe driver and prayer, go. Stoplight, Stop oh, nice. What else? On the bus, good, more? I heard, uh, I've heard 
thus far laundry, dishes, golf. Conditioning, working out, really good. Or unless you're doing hair conditioning, which I, I, I don't know about that. All right, how many of you say, all right, I got, the, I got something, I'm doing it. I'm gonna do something this week. How many of you, right? Awesome, all right. Let me give you just a couple of quick prayer hacks about this. One is what I call prayer prompters. Prayer prompters is when you just allow the reticular activator in your brain to identify something that will prompt you to pray. So for example, I have a friend who said, I wanna pray for my friend Bill. Bill works for Expedex. There's trucks all over the city, Expedex trucks. He goes, every time I see an Expedex truck, I'm gonna pray for Bill. That's a prayer prompter. Here's one for me, I I try to water our back deck uh, ferns and plants uh, most mornings. There's just one fern that just launches a prayer for my friend Adam and Julie. I don't know what it is about the fern, but when I pray for that fern, I think about Adam and Julie. This t-shirt could be a prayer prompt. Now, we didn't think it was wise to go uh, spend thousands of dollars on t-shirts if you weren't gonna use them, but if you would want one, if this would help prompt you or prompt those in your home or friends, like go purchase them, Grab, grab one online or in the commons area. That is a prayer prompt. Number two, prayer starters. You go on that run. You go on that conditioning. I also heard you go to the grocery store and you just, in your spirit, you're making yourself available to God. You could be the, the simple prayer, speak Lord, your servant's listening. Could be a, another prayer starter of come Holy Spirit, come. One of my favorites is just, what are you up to here, Lord? Just a simple kind of a spiritual curiosity. What are you up to here, Lord? And I'm just saying, I'm available on this run. I'm available. I'm, later, I'm going to mow the lawn. That's, that's my thing. So I'm going to just, what are you up to here, Lord, during this time? That is a prayer starter. And what's so fun, you guys, good things happen in the closet, by the way, well, generally, right? They happen in the closet on our knees. But I love the catalytic fluid nature of being on this adventure with God where he gets to disrupt you when you're available. He gets to disrupt you. Like when I was on a run a few months ago, I ran by this, this woman. I, I, I would call her an older woman, but honestly, I think we're the same age and that's the stage of life I'm in now. And, and I run by her and just out of the periphery, I see that something about her, I don't know what it was, but something about her struck me. And as I'm running, I, I, I start to hear like, stop, stop, ask, ask, you know, and I'm like, no, God, I don't want to stop. That would be creepy, is, is my conversation. And um, I can't resist it. So finally, I get about 25 yards beyond her, and I finally stop, and I, I try to look as non-threatening, as low stranger danger as possible, and I start walking back towards her. And she says with a smile, but a guarded one, she says, what you up to? I said, well, that's the thing. Um, I feel like maybe I was supposed to just stop and ask you what I could pray for. As I keep running, I wanted her to know this is not going to become a prayer walk together, right? <laughs> and she says, well, that's so interesting because I, I've just been walking along praying too. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. You're a prayer. I'm a prayer. We're like best butt, you know. And, and, and then I say, can you just tell me one thing I can pray for as I run? And everything changed. And her countenance just got really soft and her lips began to tremble a little bit. She said, pray, pray for my boy. Pray for my son, he's in trouble. I said, I will. Can you give me just his first name and I'll run with his name on my heart. And she gave me the name and I ran on and who knows, who knows? But that's the disruption. That's the joy, that's the fun, is it not? Is it not? So at your gas pump, on your golf course, 
at your place of work, in your meeting, folding laundry. We don't move without prayer even when we are on the move. So, Father, as we stand and worship, may it be for your fame and glory. We want to bring you our very best. And even this here, as we sing the lyrics, this is prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.